Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Mr. Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and the most notable sits for week nine of the fantasy football season, getting very, very close to the playoffs right in the stretch run now. We'll also be joined by Rich Rebar a little bit later on to talk about some of the most interesting data points from his worksheet. So make sure you keep it locked for that. Um, I guess that's about it. What's up, Nick? What's going on, Ray? We're at the actual midway point of the season. Got eight weeks left after this, eight weeks before this. We're halfway home. Yeah, I, it doesn't really feel like that. Uh, it feels like we're kind of mired in, in the depths of it. But, you know, you get week 13 is, is right around the corner. I'm starting to kind of look at my teams, especially my dynasty teams, and and kind of realistically judge if I have a good if I have a good shot at making the playoffs or if I should just start tanking it's uh <laughs> we're getting we're getting the good the good part of the season I think I absolutely tanked starting week two or week three and <laughs> and dynasty uh I lost all those dudes to injury like Moncrief and Decker and CJ Anderson just recently I mean and then my one uh redraft league team that was like doing really well I just lost CJ Anderson and LaShawn McCoy so pretty much screwed there i'm just am so done with season-long fantasy football <laughs> i uh i have a couple dynasty teams that are anchored by alan robinson and deandre hopkins so uh so not doing well yeah you would, you would say but you know nobody wants to hear us talk about our fantasy team so let's talk a little bit about what we do all week and that is the news it was actually we record this on a wednesday it's it was a really kind of busy wednesday news some kind of big strange things it's been a week of strange news with the jamie collins trade with andre johnson retiring with uh there was another there was oh percy harvin came out of retirement it's been an odd week it continued on wednesday with mr norval turner announcing his resignation as offensive coordinator from the vikings the offense has obviously not been doing very well at all recently it hasn't really done well all season and even into last season as well but was the were the struggles this year do you think they were really Turner's fault and is this going to change anything I don't think it changes anything whatsoever this offense is still going to be bland vanilla run first Sam Bradford can't do anything really that offensive line is just complete garbage Jake Long starting at left tackle I mean Jake Long should be 
even a backup left tackle in this league anymore. Uh, but this wasn't North Turner's fault. I mean, he, Teddy Bridgewater tore his ACL. Adrian Peterson tore his meniscus. Matt Khalil went on injured reserve. Uh, Andre Smith went on injured reserve. They cut John Sullivan, the center, even though Joe Berger is pretty good in the interior, but they don't have many guards. I mean, Alex Boone was a complete free agent flop. He hasn't done anything. Uh, this offense is just in shambles, man. Yeah, and I mean, I when I look at it and I think, okay, the offensive line's a disaster, especially in pass protection, but even in the running game, you don't really have any running backs. We'll see if McKinnon's able to, to do anything, but he wasn't really doing much before he got hurt. So what do we need to do? We need to get the ball out of Bradford's hands quickly. We need to try to use the receivers on the perimeter, a quick passing game. But that's what they've already kind of been doing. Bradford's near the bottom of the league in time to throw and, and time to sack. So he's getting the ball out quickly. He's getting sacked quickly, which tells you that the offensive line's not providing much protection. Maybe they use Cordero Patterson more around the line of scrimmage. He's, they've already been doing that, though. They could use Diggs in that way, you know, former kind of that punt return uh, skills that, that he has. But they've kind of been doing that a little bit with him, too. I just I don't know where the fixes are other than to say that they don't have any talent on the offensive line. And there's no way to fix that. They just don't have any talent on the offensive line. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about a player I like in this offense here pretty soon this week. And I think Shermer's handprints will be all, all over it. Oh, that's, that's what they call in the business a tease. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Another piece of good news, at least, is that Ben Roethlisberger was able to practice on Wednesday. It was only a limited practice. It is his second of the week. They're coming off the bye, so they did some work on Monday. He was in on that practice as well. It looks like he's absolutely going to play, even if he is going to be less than 100% recovered from his meniscus surgery. Are you trusting him this week in your lineup It's against the Ravens? I mean, if you own Big Big Ben, you got to play him this week, especially with six teams on by. You're not going to be sitting him. I mean, I would never sit Big Ben if he's playing. Uh, it'd have to be just a, a horrible matchup. I mean, this matchup isn't great against Baltimore, but they're definitely a pass funnel defense. They're number one against the run. Big Ben's not going to be 100%, that's for sure. He's still better than Landry Jones. I think the Steelers need to like seriously take – backup quarterback spot seriously this offseason. I mean, can't keep trusting Landry Jones and Bruce Gradkowski to stay healthy or play good in Landry Jones's case. But, I mean, I lo- if ben, Big Ben plays, I mean, I, I got to love love it if I'm an Antonio Brown owner for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I, I think you're right that this matchup isn't great, but they have given up, a, the Ravens have given up a couple big games. My real concern is I go back and look at Ben's history coming off injury, and it, it hasn't been good. He's averaged just 202 yards a game, nine touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Now, a lot of those games were kind of older games before he kind of became the Ben Roethlisberger that we know in fantasy now. But even last year, he threw one touchdown to just three to three interceptions against the Bengals in his first game back from injury. That's a big concern. It's not a good matchup. He's not going to be 100%. There are some I think scenarios here where Ben Roethlisberger could be on a bench on the lineup. If you have Dak Prescott, I think Dak Prescott is starting over, over him for sure. This I'd week. agree with that. Yeah. Maybe Jameis Winston, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe those guys are stretches, but I don't think they're that big of a stretch. So I don't know if he's a locked in starter, but, but certainly it's good for the offense as a whole to have him in there instead of, instead of, instead of Landry Jones, who, I mean, that was my, I think you, I think you said it perfectly. My takeaway from the preseason when I was watching the backups play was they, they have to find a better backup quarterback. I mean, it's just, 
he misses games. Ben Roethlisberger misses games every single, every single year he misses games. How do you not have a better backup? Yeah, I mean, I know they have serious cap issues. I mean, they have in the past few years, but you got to take this seriously. I mean, you can't keep having Michael Vick, uh, Bruce Gutkowski, like I just mentioned. He, he hasn't been healthy for like three years, and they keep bringing him back for some reason. So another injury situation that that fills my heart with sorrow is in the Tampa Bay backfield where Doug Martin pours some out, still out. <laughs> Jacquiz Rogers, he's sidelined with a foot injury. Now the Bucks are expected to use a backfield by committee against the Falcons on Thursday night. But a report on Wednesday said that Anton Smith is expected to lead the backfield ahead of Peyton Barber. Is that how you see it playing out? I mean, I, I assume he's going to get the start. I have, I have no clue what's going to happen touch-wise. And this could go either way, and the Bucks beat writers just seem to think that way. They're like grasping at straws. They don't know which way to lean either. They're just kind of, maybe this can happen, maybe this, that can happen. Uh, but I, I like Anton Smith if I'm in a PPR league as an RB3 flex. He has awesome speed, ran a 4-3-3 coming out of Florida State. Allegedly ran four twos in high school. I mean, he's obviously way older now, but he definitely has speed, and he's, and he's shown that in the NFL with a bunch of long touchdowns when he played for Dirk Cutter in Atlanta, so... I mean, he's going to get pass game looks. Peyton Barber's not going to be a factor in the pass game. I don't see Mike James being a factor at all in the pass game. He's a plotting special teamer type. So if I'm in a PPR league, I'd be picking up Anton Smith for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I do worry that this could be a Rob Kelly situation where Chris Thompson was clearly the number two in the game that Matt Jones got hurt, and he kind of led the team. And then we come the next week, and now they've had a week to game plan. Rob Kelly comes in and dominates the work. Smith dominated the work last week but maybe now we have barber who's a more you know quote unquote early down back maybe we have him come in and do that but you made the point smith's going to be used in the passing game and if you're going to attack the falcons that's where you attack them with running backs they've given up the second most receiving yards the second most touchdowns through the air and the second most receptions to running backs this season so i think that smith has that big play upside you mentioned he's going to be used in the passing game in a game that could kind of be a shootout and I, uh, I think that I like him a bit this week, even in standard leagues, because of that big play upside. I like, I like Smith a little bit, and I'm going to have Barber ranked below them. But, I mean, it's, a, it's an ugly week for running back. So there's a, there's a chance that in deeper leagues, both these guys are going to be in lineups for, for sure. Yeah, totally. All right, so let's get to the, the meat of the show. We'll talk about your starts and your sits for the week. One of my starts from last week, Brock Osweiler, let us all down. <laughs> However, his favorite, what's become his favorite target in one of the oddest years of fantasy football ever is CJ Fedorowicz. And he didn't let us down at all. He was able to have a pretty good game despite Osweiler's struggles. Now we have a very similar situation. We talked about the Vikings and their offensive struggles. They get the Lions this week. It's an absolutely great matchup. And it's an absolutely great matchup for Kyle Rudolph. So how high should he be ranked this week? Oh, man, I'd say top six among tight ends. I mean, the, the Lions have given up a tight end one to finish eight times in eight weeks. So, I mean, Rudolph's an absolute lock to finish as a tight end one, seemingly. Pat Shermer, like we mentioned earlier, has a tight ends coach background. Uh, he, he loves hitting the tight ends, short passes, like you mentioned, running backs, tight ends, get the ball out quick. Uh, Rudolph is top five in targets among tight ends, averaging over seven per game. The Lions have allowed the most catches for the fifth most yards, most touchdowns, most fantasy points to tight ends. I mean, CJ Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin went nuts on these guys last week. I mean, Griffin didn't do a whole lot, but he, he caught three balls in one drive to set up Fedorowicz's touchdown. And, I mean, Detroit's just been 
terrible against tight ends. Yeah, I think that that last point, it, it's hard to overstate how good of a matchup this is for Rudolph. I mean, just the Lions have given up two more touchdowns to tight ends than any other team in the league. They have been hemorrhaging points to tight ends. I can't trust Sam Bradford, but I absolutely trust Kyle Rudolph. I'm going to go high. I think he's a top three option this week. I think he's an absolutely great option, even with those concerns. Another guy that I'm absolutely in love with, but I don't know if I can be in love with this week is Corey Coleman, who gets to play the Cowboys. It looks like Cody Kessler is going to start, which is a bit upsetting. If it were Josh McCown, I'd be all in on Corey Coleman coming back from his injury. Now with Kessler, I don't know. So should I be putting him immediately back in my lineup? I'm 100% with you on McCown-Kessler thing. I, I, when I wrote this, I was assuming McCown would start, but then later th- this afternoon on Wednesday, we found out that Kessler was fully cleared from his concussion, and one of the beat writers was expecting Kessler to get the start. Uh, Hugh Jackson re- refused to announce who would start, so it, it, he's going to play it till later in the week, probably Friday he'll announce it, but I'm, I'm praying for McCown here. Last time out for Coleman in Week 2 over against the Ravens, he caught two touchdowns for 104 yards uh from McCown that was McCown's start so if McCown can get in the lineup I just love this pass game so much more all the guys Gary Barners Terrell Pryor Corey Coleman like we mentioned and then Dallas has allowed the fifth most catches to receivers this season and they've already had their bye and their top cornerback Morris Claiborne just suffered a multi-week groin injury last week so if McCown's in there, I love Coleman as a plug-and-play wide receiver three on a te- on a week with six teams on by. And they also lost Barry Church, which is which is big for for them as well. So I, I think that there's a lot of reasons like him. I have to say, even if it's Kessler, I'm going to be I'm going to be intrigued by Coleman simply because the Browns' passing attack has been working. I mean, I think Kessler threw for over 300 yards two weeks ago. He's on his way to a good game before his injury against the Bengals. I'm in, and then Ter- Terrell Pryor still hobbled. He missed Wednesday's practice. I'm in on Coleman this week. I, I Like you said, I would like it a lot better if it were McCown, but I think I'm in on him all week. A guy I'm not in on at all, and it's it's very sad for me because I was I, I think I was conducting the Marvin Jones train this summer, but it has hit something of a roadblock the last several weeks, and now they get the Vikings. Is there any way he gets back on track in this matchup? I, I'm not seeing it, man. Over the last four games, Jones' target share has been just a, a mediocre 19%. Last week when Eric Ebron and uh, Theo Riddick entered the game plan, came back from multi-week injuries. Them two plus Golden Tate combined for 30 targets. Uh, Jones is averaging five and a half over the past month. Uh, just this is not a good spot against in a brutally tough matchup against Xavier Rose, Terrence Newman, Captain Marlin, and the Vikings number four pasty and on the road. So I'm just trying to stay away from Jones if I can. On Monday night, Alshon Jeffrey was just the third receiver with more than 7.6 standard fantasy points against the Vikings this year. All three of those didn't surpass 100 yards. They just had like, you know, 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. I guess Jones could do that. Like that kind of seems like what his line is now, but mm-hmm. he was, he needed to be downgraded anyway. Now with the matchup, you have to move him down even further. And it's like I said, it's, it's upsetting for, for someone who was, it looks so good for us, Marvin Jones believers in week two. And it, it's certainly gone downhill uh, since then. I, another guy it's gone downhill for is Ryan Matthews, who coach Doug P- Peterson said on Wednesday that Matthews is still the lead guy in his backfield. I'm not one to call someone a liar, but (laughs) that is certainly not what it looked like on Sunday night. Is there any reason to trust Matthews in a fantasy lineup this week against the Giants? 
I mean, this one's not hard. This is just for casual football fans. You can't you can't trust Ryan Matthews whatsoever this week. Uh, even on it, even on a week with six teams on by, I'd be actively trying not to use Matthews. He played eight snaps last week to Darren Sproles at sixty-two. Doug Peterson, like you said, still claims Matthews is the lead guy, but those are simply just words and actions have just spoken way louder this season for for Matthews, who's played eleven or fewer offensive snaps in three of seven games. He just Absolutely can't be trusted whatsoever in this matchup. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he's yet to play more than 50% of the snaps this season. He's played less than 12 total snaps in twice in the last three week, weeks, last three games. So you just can't do it. You can't trust him. But Darren Sproles, hey, a, a nice pickup if he's out there in some of your leagues, which, which he still is. Excellent stuff, as always, from Nick. His column is available every single Thursday on rotoworld.com. It's a must-read. Make sure you go and check it out. Uh, after you listen to this podcast, you can also find Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio or every single Thursday on this episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, Nick, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Yep, good luck this week. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and you can find his must read weekly column, The Worksheet, every single Wednesday on rotoworld.com. Make sure you read that. It's a like I can't even stress enough how helpful it is. All the stats that you find in there, all the information you find in there, make sure you read it. Uh, thanks for coming on, Rich. We really appreciate it. I know that this is a this is a bit of a stressful evening for you, so I'm glad you took some time out of it to uh, to come and talk to us. Yeah, uh, the city of champions has been compromised. And we've got <laughs> they're making us sweat it out. You know, after the the Cavs came back from that three one NBA Finals uh, victory, it may be uh, you know instant karma. You know, paid paid back. You know, through the baseball gods. Uh, but you know, hey, we're gonna watch this baseball game, have a good time. My son's excited. Uh, we did look into getting the tickets, and standing room only tickets were eleven hundo. So we <laughs> said we will watch on to television. <laughs> yeah, no, there's uh, yeah, not paying that much money to go to a baseball game. I can tell you that much, especially one where. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be nervy times, my friend. But the good news is is I I'm a Rockets fan and I watched the Cavs Rockets last night and I can tell you, LeBron James still good at basketball. Yeah, Kyrie Irving still good too. He's okay as well. So I think you I think your city is going to be fine uh, by the time June runs around. But this isn't a basketball or baseball pod. It's about football. So let's talk some football. Uh, the first name we're going to talk about, I don't know if he qualifies as a football player, but Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing quarterback for the 49ers. He's not been good. He's not been putting up passing numbers, but he has been an amazing threat on the ground. He's rushed for 150 yards and two starts. Now he gets a great matchup at home against the Saints. It goes against all my judgment, but he looks like a streaming option this week, right? Yeah, Colin Kaepernick is bad, and he's surrounded by bad players in the passing game. Uh, just 20.6% uh, of Kaepernick's pass attempts have gained at least 10 yards. That's the lowest rate for any quarterback uh, with at least 50 pass attempts in the season. But but passing isn't why we're here. That's what you're kind of alluded to. It's about the groundwork. Kaepernick has 18 and 14 fantasy points in his two starts. He's been the QB 14 and the QB 16 in weeks that were basically full slate weeks, and that's because of that up up down down left right left right ba start you know or select start if you're you know getting the two player konami going uh you know 46.6 percent of kaepernick's fantasy output has come from rushing that's the highest in the league 
The Saints are 31st in the league in points allowed, just ahead of the 49ers they're playing against. Uh, so even the 49ers should be able to find the paint a couple times in this one. And if they do, it's likely going to be rushing as the Saints have allowed 1.7 rushing touchdowns per game. That's the most in the league. And the 49ers average 1.4 rushing touchdowns per game. It's the third highest in the league. So if there's going to be a point scored by the 49ers, they're likely going to be on the ground in an extremely short week. I don't think it's crazy to think that Kaepernick kind of flirts with being in the top third of scoring when we're only talking about 26 starters you know on the, on the board here yeah and I'm interested to watch this game you know I was kind of off Kaepernick two weeks ago because the Bucks limit quarterback rushing because they play a lot of zone they played a lot more man against the 49ers even even Chip Kelly mentioned it in his press conference said that they were shocked to see it it opened up running lanes for Kaepernick he took advantage I'm interested to see if that continues considering how little you have to worry about the passing yep. game. That, like you said, it's so bad. It's so bad. All of their players are, are not good. They're not good fits. It's, it's, it's just a mess. So we'll have to see if that continues, but I agree with you. I think he's a streaming option this week. A guy who's actually good at football <laughs> is Ezekiel Elliott, and the Browns are not good at football. So I'm going to go ahead and assume he's the number one fantasy option this week. Is that true? Absolutely. I wish there were, uh, I had a sexier, you know, deep dive running back to talk about this week, you know, instead of choking on this chalky stud. But it gives us a chance here to, you know, give Easy e some props. I mean, he leads the league in rushing despite already having a bye. Uh, he has the most fantasy points for a rookie running back through uh, seven games since Adrian Peterson. Uh, Dallas is running the ball at an absurd clip. The Cowboys are the first team to rush for 175 yards or more in five consecutive weeks since 1986. Uh, after allowing 114 rushing yards per game through five weeks we kind of you know the Browns kind of were fooling us for a little bit thinking they were an okay run defense now they've allowed 193 rushing yards per game over the past three weeks on top of all that uh Elliott is the only running back in the league to have 15 or more carries in every game this season and Dallas has scored a touchdown on 30 percent of their possessions that's third in the NFL while the Browns have allowed a touchdown on 32 percent of their opponent's drives the highest in the league yeah and I you know I'm looking at this the Browns have given up six rushing touchdowns in the last three games. I'm, I'm fairly confident Elliott's going to add to that total this week. And if you're looking at it from a daily perspective, I mean, Dak Prescott is a great play this week. Mm-hmm. He's, I think I have him like QB5 right now in my rankings. And I think a Prescott-Zeke stack is a really, really interesting in daily this week, especially since there's not a lot of games that we really like on the board. Yeah, I had a nice little Dak nugget in the worksheet, too. Uh, he said 17 uh, or more points in uh, six consecutive weeks. That's the longest active streak uh, in the league. Man, might be okay at football, that Prescott feller. Will they be benching him? <laughs> That's, uh, I don't think so. Doesn't seem that way. Please, everybody has Tony Romo holding him. Don't stash quarterbacks and tight ends. Just don't, like, yeah. just don't do that. Stop doing that. That's just Uncle Raymond's advice for the world. (laughs) All right, so let's move on to wide receiver Terrell Williams, who is dealing with a knee injury of his own, but it looks like he's going to play. The same cannot be said for Travis Benjamin, who reportedly has a grade two PCL injury. I don't know what that means. It doesn't sound great. If Benjamin sits, Williams would definitely be a must start, but should he be in lineups regardless of Benjamin's status. Yeah, Williams is is kind of got banged up last week because he's a Chargers player. Uh, so so keep <laughs> on, keep an eye on those practice reports. But from all indications today, he confirmed that he's going to be good to go. And this is a solid spot for him. I mean, you mentioned Benjamin uh, is seeking that second opinion. We haven't got the results from that. Uh, Dontrell Inman is largely a floor play only type of guy. He kind of is just out there and gets cardio every week, uh, which leaves kind of Williams up for kind of a big role. And w- Williams has also been really great recently. He's had over 100 yards in two of his past four 
uh, but has faced Denver twice surrounding those games, you know, who are kind of wide receiver kryptonite, you know, uh, that kind of mask how good he's really been. He's also the Chargers, Chargers' best vertical playmaker and their best red zone option at the wide receiver position. He's the only receiver in the top 10 in the league in percentage of catches to go for 20 or more yards and in percentage of targets to come inside the red zone. Uh, you know, the Titans have given up some big receiving games to lead receivers on the season. They've allowed five top 12 scoring weeks. They've allowed 17 or more PPR points to seven different wide receivers. I think if he's healthy uh, enough to go this week, I mean, I think he's a, in a great spot where we could see, you know, Phillip Rivers th- uh, attack on some passing yards. And the Titans have allowed a double digit score at wide receiver and standard scoring in all but one game this year, including at least 15.8 points to a single receiver in three straight Williams is the most likely Charger receiver to be that guy this week, and I, I think I, I like him quite a bit for sure. Finally, we'll talk about the tight end position, which is just a, a nightmarish, uh, dystopic <laughs> future that we're staring at. It's terrible this week. So that leads us to the Thursday night game. Jacob Tammy's not going to play. Austin Hooper, he's made some big plays. He's kind of been in there. He, he made a few things happen last week. As a back-end tight end one streamer, are we interested in Hooper this week? I think so. I mean, in a part-time role last week, he caught all five of his targets for 41 yards. Tammy's out to go along with Tevin Coleman, so that frees up all around eight targets per game between the two. Tammy is also a major factor in the red zone as 35% of his targets this season have come from inside the red zone. That was the highest rate for all tight ends in the league. And then Tammy also has two top 10 scoring weeks uh, over the past three against Tampa Bay uh, when they played him in week one as well this year. So Atlanta has involved the tight end into their game plans against this defense before. I mean, Hooper also isn't quite the dad runner that Tammy is. He already has three catches of 30 or more yards. I mean, on a week with Gronk, Jordan Reed, Tyler Eifert, Zach Miller and hell even CJ Fedora it's on by I would rather swing on a player with upside of Hooper at a position where you can take a floor performance on uh, than to chase one of these floor plays and I think Hooper fits that bill to, to take a swing yeah and you mentioned how good they were against Tampa Bay he and he and Tammy combined for seven catches for 65 yards in week one and with the with the hellscape that is the tight end position this week you would you would take that for sure I think at this point so on that positive note <laughs> That's it for us. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Good luck tonight. By the time people listen to this on Thursday, we will know the result. But hopefully, hopefully all all goes well for you. And, and if it doesn't, you know, like we said, those calves are still pretty good. You can probably you could probably follow along with the either misery or elation with Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at RotoWorld.com. You can also find Nick Minzio's work on RotoWorld. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Minzio. And also remember subscribe rate and review the podcast anywhere you find it it helps other people find the show and we really appreciate it and uh, that's it we'll talk to you next week justin and so good thousands of summer deals at your nordstrom rack store save up to 60 percent on new arrivals from vince rag and bone adidas joe's mark jacobs and more Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.